If you would, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts chapter 1 as we continue the series called Faith in Action. And just to kind of take all that John just shared with us and capitalize on that, we're going to listen to what Jesus said to the disciples in Acts 1.8. And we're going to look at those next few verses to see how did they respond to what Jesus called them to do. And that's why the title of the message today is Don't Just Stand There, But Do Something. So oftentimes we, like God's people tend to do, is we stand, or as you are uh, sitting here, and we sit and we stand and we think that something should be done, but we wait for others to do it. Uh, maybe some of you this past Monday night were watching the Monday night football game. Maybe you weren't and you heard the news later, but the uh, Bengals were playing the Bills, and a Bengals player took, out of, took a, off from the backfield and made a routine run to the left, and a Bills player made a routine tackle, uh, and they fell to the ground, and it all seemed to be a very routine play. But within the next three to five seconds, the whole world held its breath when they saw something that perhaps they'd never seen before. Bills player number three, Damar Hamlin, made that tackle, took a helmet to the chest, tackled the guy, fell to the ground, took another helmet to the chest, stood up, adjusted his chin strap, and then fell back because his heart had stopped beating. And CPR was done, and people rushed to his side, and trainers were there, and coaches and players began to kneel, they began to pray. The commentators began to share any information they had, which was very, very little as the night went on, but they shared everything they could. They took DeMar to the hospital where his heart stopped again, had to be restarted and revived again. But in those moments of seeing this young man, healthy athlete laying on the ground, you saw coaches and players kneeling and praying and crying and, and, and just their hearts pouring out to one of their fellow football players and just crushed that something like this, whatever it was, had happened to one of their brothers in the sport. Well, Tuesday afternoon, there was a television show called NFL Live that runs on ESPN. And I'm sure three of you probably watch it. But uh, anyway, it's a show that they dissect everything about the NFL. Well, just one day removed from this tragedy and still not having a lot of information as DeMar was on, uh, had a breathing tube and they're in critical care and people are just trying to find out what's going on. Dan Orlovsky is a former college and NFL uh, quarterback, said that he was going to pray. And for 50 seconds on live television on ESPN, Dan Orlovsky bowed his head and prayed out loud for DeMar Hamlin. In fact, before he prayed, he said, this is a little bit different. He said, I've heard it all day, thoughts and prayers. Maybe this isn't the right thing to do, but it's just on my heart that I want to pray for DeMar Hamlin right now. I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. When I heard Dan's prayer, out loud on ESPN on live television I got goosebumps then just as I do now just thinking about praying for this young man on television with the boldness 
to go against perhaps even putting his job on the line, but was willing to say, I'm going to live out my faith and I'm going to pray. I'm not just going to say thoughts and prayers. I'm actually going to pray out loud for this young man. Now, I've seen much of Dan Orlovsky over the years, and he did not do this to have his name mentioned in churches today or across the web. He did it because, as he said, he believes in the power of prayer. And he believed and does even now, as we've seen DeMar Hamlin make tremendous improvements in the hospital, and praise God for that. We have seen a wave of prayers and people calling to prayer, and people verbalizing their faith on social media, all because one young man collapsed on an NFL football field. Church, can you just imagine what would happen if we didn't need a tragedy to pray. We didn't need to see someone collapse to be called to prayer. What, what would happen if we just realized that in our community, people, though healthy, though active, though vibrant, having jobs, having families, sending kids to school, knew that without Jesus Christ, their life would end someday. And that without the hope of Jesus Christ, that in and of itself would at least cause us to pray. But can't we do more? Shouldn't we do more? Knowing that there are people all over the world, people that are in our state, people that are in our county, people that perhaps live across the street from you, that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, shouldn't we do more? That's why the title of the message today is don't just stand there or sit there. Do something. Because we have been given the power of God through the presence of the Holy Spirit of God, we are not just called to contain that power, to sit here and look at each other and to say, gee, I hope God does something about those people that are lost all over the world. God can do something through you right now. You're going to have the opportunity in just a few moments to respond to God and to His Word and move in the power of the Holy Spirit and actually do something. I want you to notice what the Bible says, though, first of all, in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 8 as we reflected on that last week through verse 11. If you're able to, would you stand as we read this text of Scripture together? Beginning in verse 8, just down through verse 11. Here's what the Bible reminds us that Jesus said. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. and You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into the heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood, in, stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And may God add his blessings to his word. You can be seated. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, on January the 8th. 1-8 is the pinnacle verse 
in all of the book of Acts, though 20 plus chapters follow, it all peaks right here and it is all set into motion from the moment Jesus said, you will receive power. And from that moment, when you receive that power, he said, you will be my witnesses. Now last week, if you were here, we did a little bit of an introduction into the book of Acts to begin this series and capitalized on that word power. We know, as Jesus says, that this is the Holy Spirit coming. But what Jesus said after that power comes is what our focus is going to be on today. First of all, I want you to notice that we have to receive an empowering for the kingdom. You know, if we don't receive an empowering for the kingdom, we're just doing our own thing. I mean, trust me, there are churches everywhere today who've come up with great plans. Uh, There are Christians everywhere who you can look at their calendar and they have a full calendar of all kinds of activity. The question is, is what the church is doing, is it God's activity? Is what's on your agenda and on your calendar God's business? You see, until we receive that empowering, then we're just in our own power. Notice again verse 8. We focused last week on the first phrase, you will receive power... But notice what Jesus says about it. He says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The disciples were expecting to be overtaken. They were expecting to have God's power be greater than their own. In fact, they were anticipating that when the Holy Spirit would come, that He would come upon them, and that it would no longer be them at work, but the Holy Spirit through them. You notice what the name of this book is, don't you? It's the Acts of the Apostles. It's how they acted after the Holy Spirit came upon them. Friend, I'm going to let you in on a little secret just in case nobody except Jesus has ever told you this before. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and just saying for just the sake of understanding, some of you, perhaps many of you, hopefully all of you, have made a profession of faith and trust in Jesus Christ and have been born again. And you received the Holy Spirit of God and you were born again. If that has taken place in your life, here's what I want to tell you that I may be the only person to ever tell you this other than Jesus. You don't belong to you anymore. You're not yours. You're not in charge. You don't call the shots. You don't make the decisions. You're not the one who decides what to do, what to, where to go, what to say, who to say it to. You are no longer in charge. Now, I can tell by the looks on your faces, many of you are now uncomfortable and maybe even a little irritated at me. That's okay. But it's the truth. Because you were bought with a price. And that price was Jesus' blood on the cross. His life was given for yours. 
And the moment, the Bible says, that we confess Him as Savior, we also confess Him as Lord. And when Jesus is Lord, that means He is in charge. There is nothing in the Christian life that believers struggle with more than the Lordship of Jesus. God, guide my tongue. God, guard my thoughts. God, guard my heart. God, direct my actions. God, lead my steps. God, give me your wisdom. God, you tell me what to do. There's nothing that we struggle with more. In fact, I would even say that most Christians struggle with assurance of their salvation, not because they struggle with Jesus as Savior, but because they constantly struggle with Him as Lord. Friend, welcome to the club. As long as you're in the sinful flesh, you're going to struggle with that. This is why Jesus said you're going to receive power. Because His power is greater than yours. Amen? And His coming over you and coming upon you is what's going to lead you to not only belong to Him, but to behave like Him. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. In verses 17 through 18 it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Friend, I hope that if you've known the Lord Jesus and have been born again longer than two days, that you look more like Jesus today than you did the day that you confessed Him as Savior and Lord. And that with ever-increasing glory, that power that came upon you to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ is transforming you day by day, little by little, step by step in every decision, every thought, every bit of behavior. That's why Jesus said you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you because it's no longer you, it's now me. But he said, this is what the power is for. In verse 8 he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Everywhere you go. Every place that exists. Every soul on this planet needs to know that you have been born again and that the power of God has come upon you and that you're not the same person you used to be. Listen, church membership and, 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 and being baptized and going to Sunday school, and all, all of those things are a result of a life that's been changed. But if you've never been changed, you've never met Jesus, you've never been born again, then that power is yet to have come upon you. You need to today turn from your sin and trust in Jesus and confess Him as Savior and Lord and call on Him to change you. But my friend, if you have, if you have called upon the name of the Lord, maybe it was two days ago, maybe it was two years ago, maybe it was 50 years ago, but praise be to God, His power is still available in you. 
And the question is not how strong and how powerful and how mighty God is. The question is how obedient are we to follow His Lordship? That empowering comes from Him. It is available to you. But my question is, are you using it? Many years ago in the Denver Zoo, they received a gift of a large polar bear. They didn't have one. And so when they received the large polar bear, they had to temporarily put him in a small cage while they prepared his very elaborate new dwelling. So they put him in this little cage. And it was only big enough for him to take three steps one direction, turn, and take three steps in the other direction. Well, they thought it was going to be a temporary thing, but it ended up taking three years for them to finish his polar bear outdoor habitat. It had waterfalls, it had water slides, it was cold, it was beautiful, it was spacious, and they took the polar bear out of that temporary cage and they put him in that big habitat and he walked three steps, turned around, and walked three steps, and turned around, and walked three steps. Why? Because that's what he was conditioned to do. Do you know why the power of God doesn't visit places that need it? Because we have put God in a little small box and we have contained Him not only in our own life but in our own church and there are people literally across the street, down the road, across the next county, in our state, all over the world who are waiting for you to unleash the power of, that He's put in your life. Why? to be a witness so that they too can be born again. Let's not put God in a box. Let's not limit His power. Let's not doubt that God can change lives. Friend, let's leave this place today unleashed with the power of God to go anywhere and everywhere to anyone and everyone. That's being empowered for the kingdom. But here's the second thing I also want you to notice this morning. And that is we need to remember the expectation of the kingdom as well. We need to realize the empowering for the, of the kingdom. But we also need to remember the expectation of the kingdom. Listen to what the Bible says down in verse 11. These guys were just standing there gazing. And two men said in verse 11, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you will come in the same way that you saw Him go to heaven. We don't say this enough. But Jesus is coming again. Jesus ascended into heaven very near the Mount of Olives where He came down that hill and went into Jerusalem the Sunday that we call Palm Sunday. He ascended into heaven right there on that mountain. And the Bible says the same place where He ascended, He will come again. Friend, we're just on borrowed time. You remember last week the disciples asked, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom now? And what did Jesus tell them? If you remember the Randy Revised Version is, don't worry about it. You don't need to know that. That's none of your business. But what Jesus actually said is, it's not for you to know the seasons or the times that the Father has set. 
We don't know when Jesus is coming again. Only God knows that. We don't know how long we have to live with this power to be His witness. But by God's grace and for God's glory, until Jesus comes again or until Jesus calls us home, friend, we are on borrowed time. And Why do we just sit here enjoying the power of God in a limited setting for a short amount of time Why don't we sit on the edge of our seat and say, okay, preacher, can you wrap this up? Because I want to go be a witness somewhere. I I, I hear you. I know what you're saying. And I get it. But let's go. Let's do. Let's be His ambassador. Let's represent Him. Why do we just stand looking at the sky when there's business to do? In fact, if you notice down in these next few verses that we're going to reflect on in the next few weeks, notice verse 12 through 14. The Bible says that when they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away, and when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Then you see all of the names. And look down in verse 14. The Bible says, all of these with one accord. That doesn't mean they were all in the same Toyota Accord car. That means they were all on the same page. Look around this room for just a second. Go ahead, it's okay. You see a lot of different people that have a lot of different interests in life. Some people really love certain sports. Some people really love certain activities. Some people have different jobs. Some people come different education backgrounds. That's what makes every church wonderful to be a part of. We are diverse, yet we are all one in Jesus. Friend, we need to be in one accord about one thing, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be on the same page about sharing the truth of God's Word with a lost and dying world. Let me just be rude for a moment. Didn't somebody tell you? And if somebody told you, shouldn't you then tell somebody else? We have a responsibility. But we have a joy. We have a power. We have a calling and a passion on our life to take the message of truth to those that need to hear it. And we all need to be on the same page. How do we? How do we do that? Notice what what the Bible says in verse 14. They were all in one accord and were devoting themselves to prayer. Through prayer. Prayer is not saying, God, give me what I want. Do what I think. Tell me what I want to hear. No, prayer is our calling for the power of God to be on full display for God to advance His kingdom in our lifetime. Jesus taught the disciples to pray, God, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's not me getting what I want. That's me calling for God to do what He wants. Can you imagine if all of us, in one accord, in one mind, with one heart, with the same passion and intensity right now today called upon God and say, God, would you use us to be a witness here, there, and everywhere? God, would you unleash your power 
to do great things in us and through us? God, would You take us? Would You lead us? Would You guide us? Would You give us boldness? Would You tell us what to say? Would You give us a heart that beats for people that are broken? What if that was our prayer today? I'll never forget, thankfully she's in the nursery today, I'll never forget when Anna learned how to talk. (laughs) What a day that was. Nathan was about four or five years old when she really started to get on a roll and she just really started to string all kinds of words together and she hasn't stopped since. But he looked at her one day as a four or five year old and he said what we still say today, Anna, you have a lot of words in your mouth. She does. She has a lot of words in her mouth. Profoundly spoken by a four or five year old little boy. But shouldn't that be true of us as well? When it comes to our relationship with God, shouldn't we have a lot of words in our mouth too? God, would You use us? God, would You empower us? God, would You direct us? God, would You unite us in Christ? Would You bring us together for one purpose, and that is to take the Gospel to the ends of the earth? God, would You fill our worship so that when we sing and when we pray and when we hear and when we respond, we do it exactly how You want us to? Don't just sit there. Do something. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. You have, hopefully, that sheet of paper that has those mission opportunities outlined for you. And it shows you on the back that you can pray, you can give, and you can go. There's a little line with that's blank. That says name. That's for you. Maybe right now you say, Pastor, I don't know where we're going to go. I don't know what we're going to do. I, I don't... I'm a little uncomfortable just thinking about it. You can put your name and you can say, I'm going to do something. I don't know what. I don't know where. I don't know when. I don't know what my schedule is going to be like. I don't know know health-wise if I'm... But I can do something. You know, putting your name on that sheet of paper and committing to do something is always better than doing nothing. You can do that today. Maybe some of you are ready to get on a plane and go to the other side of the world and you just say, hey, just tell me when, show me where. John mentioned London. I'm all over it. Let's do it. Do you have a passport? If your passport is expired or you don't have one, there's a couple of applications up here. During our time of invitation, come grab one. That would be your first step to say, Lord, I'm willing to go anywhere, anytime. I can do it. I'm, I'm ready. I've got my application. All I need is your direction. Some of you perhaps want to give to missions today. We have in April coming up our Annie Armstrong North American Mission Board offering that goes to help church plants and spread the Gospel all over North America. Maybe you want to go ahead and give to that now. We just came out of a season in December of a Uh, Lottie Moon International Missions Offer. Maybe you want to give toward that. Maybe you just want to give toward missions in general and say, God, you just use it wherever and, and wherever this needs to go, you use it. Doing something in God's power and in His time and in His way is always better than doing nothing.
And so I want to give you an opportunity to do something today. If you have that sheet of paper and you're ready to put your name on it, I'm going to ask in just a moment that you come and lay it at these steps. Lay it at the altar. Put it down on these steps. Pray over it. And say, God, I'm serious about my commitment today. I want to go somewhere. I want to do something. I want to be on mission with you. I may not be able to do everything. I may not be able to do most things. But if there's one thing I can do, God, I want to do it. Maybe you want to come and get a passport application and pray over that and say, God, I'm going to fill this out when I, when I get home and I'm going to pray over it. God, I'm going to give this to you and say, I want you to, to move in my life. Or maybe you just want to stand and pray for Columbia Baptist Church to be all that God has called us to be. Friend, don't just sit there. Let's do something. And maybe someone here today needs to give your life to Christ. You need to submit yourself to Him and confess Him as Savior and Lord of your life. Friend, if you need to be born again, I'll be standing here to pray with you and talk with you. There's no better day. There's no other time than right now today to be born again. Don't just sit there. Do something. As God leads, let's do something. Let's pray together as we prepare our hearts to respond to God. Our Heavenly Father, we give these moments over to You, Lord, and we give this time that we call our, <clears throat> our invitation, our time of response, Lord, we give it right now to You. Because God, we want to do something for Your kingdom. We want to be empowered through the presence and the moving of Your Holy Spirit. And God, we want to be equipped. We want to be excited. We want to be together as a church to do exactly what You've called us to do. God, in this moment, right now, today, would You lead us individually and as a church to do something. To be a witness here, there, and everywhere. Father, if there is just one who needs to give their life to Christ, I pray that through Your Holy Spirit, You would draw them to Jesus. God, that today, that they would be saved. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.